Welcome to the Eduverse Enigma podcast. Today we're chatting with James Hudson, the lead XR disruptor at Lindenwood University. This episode, we'll be discussing the importance of AI and XR in the future of education, gamification, NFTs, and the best available educational VR softwares. You won't want to miss it. Happy to uh, have you here on the podcast so that we share some of that knowledge that you've uh, in yourself and from others. Absolutely. Glad to talk. Glad to be here today. Awesome. Well, kicking us off, um, I guess to, to start, um, just for anybody that doesn't know who you are, can you give a little bit of background of yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Dr. James Hudson, lead XR disruptor at Lindenwood University. It's a, um, a mid-sized private college right outside of St. Louis in St. Charles, Missouri. Um, and um, I help oversee Art XR initiatives, uh, the XR lab, research, integrating into the curriculum, um, uh, ensuring that we are maximizing the potential and that all students have the ability to um, experience um, uh, this amazing technology and the, the benefits that come along with it that they wouldn't otherwise have. Amazing, amazing. I remember from our conversation, it was a while back, you were looking at having like all students have to purchase VR headsets. Is that still in the works and where you're heading or where you're at already or? Yeah. So, um, uh, so there are several initiatives. We started with the VR integration and adoption project, which was initial exploratory, um, uh, grant funded, um, um, opportunity that got our first, um, batch of quest twos that started research developing um, and, uh, gathering together VR champions in all areas of the institution. Um, uh, in developing um, educational resources and a database, um, which I don't know why there's not just a shared database for everyone to use if I want an educational app or geology, you know, or geography, you know, what should I be using? So we started all that and moved on to the next one, which was um, uh, what we were just talking about a moment ago, operationalizing educational design studio um, to help make these original bespoke experiences if they don't exist for, uh, for different areas. Um, so we did that. And then the third one that you're mentioning, uh, you were talking about, um, um, is we started two years ago um, with three select programs um, and uh, had all the students. We went entirely OER, so there were no textbook costs. We didn't, we didn't pass that off with an average of about $1,200 a year for your average undergraduate. And instead had them purchase a Quest 2, um, which we called an experiential textbook. Um, uh, so that they used it in every class, we could use educational apps, we could take them to places around the world, et cetera. So it pretty much, you know, um, um, uh, the value proposition paid for itself relatively quickly once you explain that we're all OERs. Um, uh, so we did that, that it, that's going great. We're expanding both the OER side so we can then um, support more of the, um, um, the VR and XR developments. Now, I guess I shouldn't say VR, because with the next one, everything's EMR. So, you know, we'll have the headsets like both now. So um, uh, we just have to figure out how to budget that in with, the, you know, the Quest, Quest 2 Pro being 1500 and you know, similarly for Google and for the others being developed around the same price point. Um, uh, so the next initiatives, um, we have a task force for OER to move on that and to also couple and create um, um, uh, original XR experiences for all OERs. And so that, you know, if you have a class in statistics, we also develop, you know, an educational experience um, that can be mixed reality, virtual reality, or augmented reality, um, or on a desktop for the for compliance. 
um, uh, and can accompany that and um, support um, the learning through active learning kind of scenarios to do so. Um, uh, so that's happening now with the XR Vision Task Force as well. Um, uh, scaling out and training more people is kind of the problem is you have one or two experts in an institution that um, uh, that may be passionate and you know, tinker, you know, with uh, with putting these together, you know, with game engines or WebXR or something. Um, um, but but you don't have um, uh, you generally don't have the plan put in place to scale that out, right, and teach others how to do it. So that's what we're doing now is you know building and upskilling you know uh, core individuals to create those. Um, train all of our instructional designers, right? Um, we have for both online and uh, hybrid, high flex and on-ground classes to be able to do that. So they can, um, uh, someone comes to them. So for instance, one of our philosophy professors wanted to do the allegory of the cave from Plato's Republic. And so, and show them how, how that would actually work. So he's working right now to do that, but we're also training them how to actually put it together. More and more great drag and drop um, options are out there that don't require a lot of additional coding skills. So we're going to see that coming out um, um, more and more. I mean, you just had, uh, what was the wonderful um, um, uh, app that just came out, um, uh, which allows you to drag and drop any number of things in the environment. Um, uh, it, it was just, it was officially launched, I think, three days ago. Um, I'm trying to think of the name of it, but more and more of those, you know, uh, keep coming out and I'll do it here in a second. Um, uh, so really scaling out so that both, you know, you have instructors, they're all excited about it, but they might not know what to do with it, or they might not be relevant for their specific field we find um, um, uh, in, certain, in certain areas. So it might be really great for the natural sciences and um, or you know astronomy, for instance. There's lots of apps out there in the stars and galaxies or going to go to the space station. But you know, if someone wanted something on environmental biology and on uh, the wetlands or something, um, uh, environmental impact of certain types of industrial runoff, then you know we could create that uh, um, uh, for them. But that's what's happening now is you know kind of moving beyond um, exposing people to it and. Uh, we constantly have about four or five research studies going to different classes, gathering feedback and publishing to make sure that we know what's effective, the best pedagogical way to um, uh, really integrate XR into the curriculum um, using Bloom's taxonomy. And then, you know, what new and engaging things can we do next? Right? And the more you involve students in that iterative process, you know, the better it is for everyone. For sure. No, that's such a, a great way to go about it, doing those research studies and involving with students as you're going through. Uh, to, to take a step back, though, like you're talking about having those one to three experts on campus and trying to expand that. Um, well, I guess first, how did you as a professor get interested in virtual reality and want to apply it? And then from there, like, I know lots of schools we're talking to, it seems like. At Lindenwood, a lot of people are excited, but some schools we're talking to, there's those one to three experts, uh, but then everybody else is kind of wary about integrating it, even if there are fits for their class. So like, how are you kind of showing those benefits and kind of pushing that forward inside the university? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, um, uh, and we are lucky in that we had so many that um, were really excited, um, but um, had no idea where to start or what to do or had even used it. They just, they just loved it. But, uh, but to go back, um, um, it was originally, um, uh, I was previously a dean for all online graduate programs, and that was a way um, um, that we were looking into engaging more with online community, distance education communities. 
um, uh, to figure out how do we bring them into um, uh, the same space if they're in Germany, you know, Ibiza or Japan all at the same time um, to engage in um, uh, an active or collaborative activity, et cetera. So that's where it started. But given that my background is actually art history, um, uh, I, I, I was the perfect text case um, in that um, uh, what already exists, you know, going back to, you know, the Google VR, you know, or Google Earth. Um, uh, way back with Google Cardboard is the ability effectively to take any student anywhere you want. And since that's all we do is show slides, here are the pyramids of Giza, here's the Great Sphinx, here's the Parthenons, um, uh, just flat projections on a wall, the ability to take them there in human scale and show them how it, it would feel like to walk around these things, um, uh, allow them to internalize and understand much better the cultural context. So it worked very well for mine. It was pretty easy to sell um, uh, all of our folks on it um, uh, in uh, cultural heritage, arts and culture, um, uh, because we can show the value added right off the bat. You can take them to all these locations anywhere you want. Um, um, but then uh, following that up, I put out um, uh, just a general call and started talking to other people I knew were already interested in it or had um, uh, had used maybe they... Maybe you, every institution has someone who had been using an HTC Vive or, or something, you know, that's um, um, uh, a little bit older, previous generations of the technology. Um, so starting with them and then um, actually getting um, uh, the headsets to show others what can actually be done. Because, you know, um, uh, I always equate it to like skydiving or spelunking or something, right? So VR is something you have to experience. You can't tell someone what it's like. And so um, the easiest selling point to get anyone on board is just to have them use it, right? So anyone that I have tried from ages of, you know, um, obviously, you know, at, at the time I had a five-year-old, so he didn't have it on for more than a few minutes. But everyone from five until, you know, 89 years of age, I've, I've demoed this on. And as soon as they see it, they understand it and understand what the potential is. And immediately, if you're an educator, they um, uh, you will uh, start um, your mind will start reeling and thinking about ways in which oh I could do this. I'm I you know I, I teach you know um, uh, secondary um, uh, education and I want you know my students to learn how to identify someone who may have ADHD or is slipping behind in reading in a class and so I want them to to make those mistakes and fail you know in virtual reality before you know doing it in the classroom and potentially affecting someone. So um, uh, they immediately start thinking about these. So we had another professor. I just I just showed him in in the college of education. Um, uh, and he's like, wow, you know, could you actually scan an entire building and uh, then take people through it and allow them to point out OSHA violations and or, you know, mission and vision and all that? We're like, yeah, of course we can do it. So once you just show people, put it on them, um, um, the, the potential becomes almost instantaneously understood. So um, that's, that's really the best advice, you know, that I would give anyone trying to um, uh, show others, you know, what, what could be done with this and why it's not just a passing fad or a gimmick. Um, it's not technology for technology's sake. We have lots of research and we continue to do research. Um, uh, many centers have research on, on XR um, uh, to show how it improves, once again, time on task, um, uh, memory retention, um, uh, uh, engagement, motivation, um, uh, collaboration skills. Uh, we're running an entire pilot on a VR-only class for first-year experience as part of a high-impact practice this fall. So every class and every experience is in VR, and they're hitting all the major graduate attributes as they go. 
And so they're getting experience, learning the base competencies. So now we're gonna have a, we're gonna do something in VR that's going to um, let us practice teamwork and the leadership or critical thinking or communication skills, right? So they're all tied to those transferable, durable, or previously known as soft skills, um, uh, uh, now power skills um, that can be done much more effectively um, uh, in a virtual setting and from anywhere. And what that does really is democratize education, it makes it much more egalitarian in that people um, that may be in rural areas or underfunded inner city schools have the ability to see what would otherwise out of reach you know, and only in you know, well-funded affluent areas that can afford field trips and study abroad and taking people to all these museums and taking them to these cultural experiences, whether it be an opera or a play or you know an orchestra, right, um, can sit them right in front of it. So all of this um, uh, becomes the, the kind of great equalizer we use it properly. Oh, for sure. And I love, uh, love how you were saying like you've had five-year-olds to 89-year-olds five-year-old you know, five to 95 95-year-old for party one so so you know it's so great to have so many different age groups and backgrounds and then just like you said democratizing with our defenders of the edge of goal there is to make education more accessible engaging and impactful and touched on all three of those points there so i, I love i love that advice people inside of vr to really experience that to convince people about vr Yes. On that note, what are some of your like go-to demos that you show people when they're going to VR for the first time? And then beyond yeah. that, had to pick one. What's kind of your favorite VR educational software that uh, you're using? Oh. Right now? oh goodness! Oh, that's hard. Okay, yeah. So I can answer the first one. So demoing for like our president and our board of directors and all that to show them um, uh, why this is important because they hadn't used it either. So, um, uh, or even with, you know, we'll take it, we have um, a, 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 um, a project, a group, I guess I would say, and some um, that works with teaching technology to the elderly. So we'll bring VR headsets to nursing homes, for instance, or retirement. Um, and across the board, what works best first, just to show them what's possible, um, everyone wants to gravitate towards travel and experience. And so I just go to, once again, the Oculus TV channels, you know, on, uh, on travel and they're like, Hey, okay, do you want to, what part of the world do you want to go to? Do you want to swim with sharks? Do you want to hike a mountain? Do you want to parasail? Whatever that is. Um, uh, but, but interestingly enough, everyone chooses, they see, you know, what experience do you want? Um, uh, and especially, um, I, I wouldn't say especially, but everyone chooses, um, uh, uh to get that immersive experience, to be able to um, uh, uh, transport themselves somewhere else. And that gives them an, um, uh, an immediate understanding of the capabilities. So they might go you know, to the pyramids, they might go you know, to, uh, to uh, Nepal, you know, into, um, um, uh, into, to see what monks' li living traditions are actually like, or they want to go, you know, Mount Everest, or they want to fly. Um, uh, but it's all the same thing. It's all it's showing the potential of what you can do. Seated, starting off, obviously, so try to avoid VR sickness, you know, short um, uh, videos around no more than five minutes starting off, um, uh, no jarring, shifting, and or roller coasters the first time. So all the standard things that you want to avoid VR sickness. Um, uh, but just a short introduction of um, uh, embodying um, uh, um, uh, this virtual world of virtual content uh, where we start. 
Um, uh, beyond that, once uh, once we need to move them past, you know, three DOF to six DOF, so they actually can move around in environment um, uh, in all directions. Um, uh, we need to show them everything that can be done. So we then do things like first steps and the other training, you know, um, exercises that every um, major um, uh, platform has to showcase the ability um, from you know the hands function to the controllers and everything, and then move into um, the, the wider world of educational application. So um, um, I think right now, um, uh, as as simple as it is, but it's been incredibly effective for a wide number of different exercises and um, and assignments. Is actually um, rec room, believe it or not. So you know, you know, the Horizon, you know, um, uh, the, the Horizon worlds and the office space and everything that that's worked well for presentations, etc. But you know, much like Alt Space VR, um, um, which which again I. Uh, I saw someone at, at Mount College, Mount Calvary, um, do a great example of a psychology class in that. Um, um, but uh, you need some type of environment that, you know, is scalable, that's, you know, kind of world size that you can bring in different objects that they can engage and interact with in some collaborative fashion. So um, those type of platforms seem to work for the widest kind of range of learning outcomes. Uh, the really tailored ones, you know, I use, honestly, things like Wander, you know, or you know, basically just upgrade Google Earth. Um, uh, because what we'll do is have Wander Wednesdays, so we'll have students from all over the world, you know, uh, take us to their hometowns, uh, show us uh, around and talk about where they're from and what's important to them and their culture, um, or their favorite spot, you know, um, or their favorite monument, tell us why. Um, uh, and then we can use that as a way for the students uh, to bond across distance um, for uh, socialization, collaboration, and it makes it a lot easier. So we just finished, of course, another study which confirmed um, uh, previous studies, and that is that people with social anxiety disorder, ASD, and or just social awkwardness in general find it much easier to skip past, right, that awkward initial getting to know you phase in class um, and immediately move on to content and discussing um, uh, the meat of something um, if they can do so in a virtual environment with an avatar. Um, um, and so uh, we confirmed that again in three different studies this fall in, in various populations from freshmen to graduates of all ages. And so they, 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 it works better. And so um, uh, that's what I, that, I know, but because I'm an art historian, taking people in museums is, is kind of what we do. But, um, but the ability to, to leverage the, social, um, uh, the socializing aspects of it um, um, in bringing people together is what really works. Um, a lot of other ones, Nat Geo has several great ones out to where you can go to Machu Picchu, et cetera, you know, climb mountains, et cetera. Um, um, there, uh, there are several others that um, uh, show like uh, ecological kind of um, examples of different types of terrain and environments around the world. Um, uh, we're working with ArcGIS and bringing VR into that as well for the local zoo that we have here and showing different types of habitats and environments. So that works really well, especially for secondary education um, um, uh, into our middle school kind of age students that, that really uh, biosphere kind of approach works for them. Um, um, uh, but uh, aside from that, you know, flexible free platforms that anyone can use. Um, um, I'm trying to think of um, uh, the major ones that um, um, uh, which you can you can can help me here uh one of the major ones that, that we're using you can bring them into you know the classroom space or whatever you want bring in you know dna show you know, a crocodile flying over your head watch yourself present to something else and then get feedback that way um is that, uh, uh, is that an engage or 
That's engaged. So engage is yeah. one we've used several times up to like 20 students and it's free. Um, uh, there's brand functionality beyond that. Um, uh, there's four others. We've tried like Noda and Spatial and others for um, design thinking exercises, an iterative process of UX development, um, for instance. Uh, that works really well if you can, you know, um, um, connect different thoughts and or build things out, you know, in a space um, uh, together with other individuals um, uh, and show them the design process, the design thinking process. Um, but yeah, there are so many and, and, and every day more, more get launched and we can actually tailor them and make our own if we want and put them up there and you can do, you know, a side load or a side quest, um, link it and, mm -hmm. and, and you know, have whatever package you want, you know, um, downloaded to any of the students. That's how we had them play test our educational video game, the Museum of the Lost, um, uh, in the spring. Um, uh, was we just dipped them, you know, once again the um, uh, the, the, the API download instructions, and then they all could play something that was still in the beta version that we built in Unity. So um, uh, it's it, from from beginner to expert, pretty much everyone can uh, can benefit from XR. Amazing, amazing! I love how much experimenting that you're you're doing and willing to do. Like in class with students because it can be scary sometimes when you're adopting a new software and you're jumping for the first time especially something like like rec room you look at that and it's like oh it's just a, a gaming platform you know we've been using remio lately but for for the past year or so we were using rec room where we had our club our whole team would get together we'd write on whiteboards and then we'd go play paintball or something afterwards and that was our start of our weeks i think that's so cool and i love it um uh, the wander Wednesdays as well and how you can bring students together for more of those like social activities because that's that's a big part of like enjoying VR that we saw as well if it's not just for class it's for these other types of experience that's amazing exactly we ran another one it's it's funny you mentioned paintball because the, the, the professor who um is running the VR only class right now that's his go-to at paintball to, to teach leadership and teamwork so, um, uh, so it's, that, that's wonderful. And, that's and, amazing. Uh, it's the, yeah. And we were, um, I was just thinking if there was another educational, um, um, uh, collaborative app I was thinking of there, but please go on. Yeah. I, I guess off of that, like you were saying, um, uh, you were partnering with the zoo to build out those simulations and work together there wondering, like, are you doing a lot of those kind of industry partnerships where you're partnering with others in the area to yeah. have something that's like built out for training students that's then directly applicable in the industry. Yes. So um, uh, we're in the beginning phases. So we're about two years in um, uh, and more are going right now um, as well, um, such as for creating um, uh, uh, ABA types of training and um, uh, environments to uh, to help children with disabilities and or special education teachers. Um, uh, so that's one that's um, uh, that's being developed. Um, um, but yeah, industry is it is a partner that's often overlooked in education. That we certainly would recommend others look in. Um, uh, and you know, do you have these? If if your institution doesn't have you know a strong XR labs, you know, game design department or a strong computer science department that, that maybe it would be housed in, then, you know, reaching out and what are the XR companies near you locally? And you know, so start, start building connections, reach out and say, Hey, 
and we're an educational partner. We would love, you know, to, to, to work on you, you know, with some grants, you develop, you know, the, um, uh, the simulations, you know, we can handle the subject matter expertise. Um, uh, and then we can um, do this for industry, for training, for the department of you know, um, uh, labor, for, you know, um, uh, there's, there's, there's any number of possibilities, but certainly training in industry, um, uh, engineering, safety protocols, you know, all of that. Um, but then also all the soft skills, Walmart, Amazon, I mean, all of them, you know, are now having um, uh, their employees learn these these durable or transferable skills of dealing with, you know, um, um, irate customers or something or de-escalating situations. We're working on another one to help train um, uh, 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 educational administrators, de-escalate uh, situations with angry parents, you know, such as if you have to uh, suspend someone. Providing is one of the classic examples, you know, how do we then um, uh, train them to, to de-escalate that or to talk about sensitive situations or topics um, uh, such as Black Lives Matter, for instance, you know, in schools and policies around that. Um, um, so uh, there's 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 really a kind of a limitless kind of um, 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 way in which XR can be leveraged. I mean, we also looked at um, leveraging XR to improve um, uh, empathy in a, in a social psychology class in the spring that was just presented on a conference last week um, uh, uh, to improve um, uh, implicit bias scores so that students would become even more aware of their own implicit bias on the standard um, uh, uh, test that's used um, uh, for that. Uh, so yeah, there's any number of things, but just reaching out, reaching out to any of the companies that have the hardware and software, reaching out to, you know, to HP, to Apple, to, you know, um, uh, to ask them, you know, if they, um, uh, if they want to, um, um, want to offer you hardware and or support, you know, using their services and their biometrics and their, once again, um, um, what, what they're, what they're able to provide because it's similar. And so you are you're able to, um, whew, sorry about that. You're able to, um, uh, showcase what their, what their equipment can possibly do, but reaching out is always good first. Oh, that's awesome to hear that you're partnering with so many industries and, and that's great advice just to to reach out to the people that are in like the VR industry, whether it be in hardware or software, just to start making those connections and you never know where they're going to lead. Uh, where you have time. So do you mind if we go over by a couple minutes or do you got a hard stop? No, no, no. I just have to get to dog quiet. So get her. <laughs> okay, for sure. Oh, good. Please continue. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I'll uh won't take too much more of your time, just uh two more questions on like uh, rapid fire. Um oh, sure. so curious, um obviously uh, it seems like where you already are implementing in education VR and XR and see the impact of where it's heading next five to ten years. Um, but you're like one of the only schools that I see that is um implementing with such a wide scale and then obviously there's a bunch of other amazing schools that are starting to implement it in, in individual programs. What do you think are some of the major barriers um, have to be overcome with lower cost hardware, more software available, or on the institutional side, are they changed um, institution-based or government like funding-based or anything along those lines for it to reach that math option? Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, all of the above, but the most specific and um, pointed examples that, that that we have run into and what others and other institutions have run into 
um, uh, is first um, um, is the cost of hardware. So getting the hardware to students and um, uh, that was a great strategy by Meta starting at the at the very low price of original Quest 2 out there. Um, but um, uh, the, the next iteration kind of priced out a lot of educational institutions for mass adoption. So, you know, having um, 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 a reasonably priced and accessible hardware, but second, also an enterprise system, which uh, the, which can be supported relatively easily and without a lot of staff in the IT side um, uh, to be able to control the educational apps and push them out um, where you need them, when you need them. Um, uh, because we spend um, a lot of time, and I know others do as well, just on um, refreshing, upkeep, uploading apps, purchasing them, updating them, um, um, uh, trying to get them, and especially since they kind of decoupled um, uh, from the Facebook accounts, example of Meta, um, uh, we can no longer use you know one account and stream and connect it to four different devices. Um, it's got to be a one-to-one, which further complicates it without our educational enterprise system. So um, uh, low-cost hardware, I mean, the, 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 there is so much free software out there right now that that's not really an impediment. That's not really a barrier to adoption. Uh, just knew about it or took advantage of databases that we put together and others have put together. So there's some great databases out there that people are building. Um, and a lot of it's free, but um, it's, you know, how do you get um, uh, the, the headsets to the student, give them access to it, um, um, considering um, the different types of students in different areas? Um, uh, are they distance learning? Are they online? Are they abroad? Um, uh, are there limitations? Are they on you know, a military base? Like one of my students I talked to, Qatar. You know, so um, are there limitations on what kind of technology they can have and where? And what what access they have to networks? So um, uh, those are considerations. But you know, low cost hardware, software is there. Um, an enterprise system that is that, that is self consciously built in and baked in from um, uh, from the outset. You know, um, uh, would preferable for platforms. Um, uh, but, but the other challenges would be you have to have administrative um, um, uh, support or else it just becomes, as you were mentioning, just pockets of individuals that are trying things in one class or one program or one small area of an institution. And the impact and the rest of the institution might not even know that they're doing it. And the impact is very limited. There's just not a ripple effect um, uh, to how many students, you know, outside of a small, say, computer science classroom get to, get to experience this. And so you need administrative support saying this is something that's important. We're going to doing it. We're going to put resources behind it. Doesn't have to be a large amount of resources, but some support and resources. Um, and then you have to get IT involved. We need some type of support system um, to keep it going. So you know, I I I started off and, and got the ball rolling, but I needed to hand it off to um, um, a, a group to maintain the hardware, to update the um, the software, the apps, to get to, to upload things when needed. To be there when students, you know, um, uh, need to use the equipment in the lab, train them how to use it. So, um, so you need that kind of IT um, uh, buy-in and personnel kind of support as well. But those are the main ones that we've run into so far because there's so much awesome stuff out there for free. Um, you just need the hardware, and um, uh, you just need access. For sure, and no, that's a really great point of involved. Involving the IT department, because I think that's something that's overlooked, especially at the start. Obviously, going down the road, you start looking into it, but you don't really realize that when you have five minutes. So I can just update these myself yeah. and hand them out to students, but 
And when you get up with hundreds, if not thousands of headsets or just different pieces of software that you're working with, so that's super complicated. So good point to get them involved. Um, uh, one last question before I do the rapid fire questions. Who, who is somebody that you look up to in the XR That's space, right. especially maybe in the education space that you might follow on, on LinkedIn or any other social media that you would recommend other people uh, check out and see if them on the podcast? Oh, yeah, I think you, I think you know um, a, a lot of them. So um, um, uh, Rob Thoreau, obviously, is really great at Georgia College. He is amazing. Um, all the stuff he's doing now with paramedicine and the other um, just trained firefighters and, and first responders. So he is a great resource and amazing human beings. Um, uh, others, you have like Jonathan Richter, who's the who's the head of the uh, Immersive Learning Research Network. So um, um, I'm on their uh, their publications team for their for their conference. But it's a great group of people, all committed to um, um, ensuring that um, uh, that XR is um, uh, fully utilized in the educational space, and there's research to support it. So having a very robust and rigorous research to show how beneficial it is for pedagogical and learning standpoint. Um, um, uh, there are lots of others. Maya Drajewski, so she's great as far as a futurist in, uh, in that Thank space. Um, um, Enrique Cacciafiero um, at Duke University, so handling their lab. He's a great resource, especially for kind of the WebXR side. Um, um, uh, 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 David Neville at Grinnell College, he's great. Um, um, uh, he's head of their XR lab and, um, uh, comes from a background in language. Um, uh, so building his own, um, uh, immersive experiences to help teach different foreign languages. Um, uh, so he's, he's great for that. Um, good. There's so many uh, amazing folks. Um, uh, Andrew, um, um, I'm trying to think, um, uh, who's actually at University of Wisconsin Stout, um, Andrew Wright. Um, that's right. Andrew, Andrew Wright, R-I-G-H-T. So, um, uh, he worked with us as a consultant. Uh, he, he designed, um, a witness revolution at NEH sponsored a grant for an educational BR kind of experience. Uh, uh, so we used him in kind of building out our game of the loss, um, as our first step at doing that as well. So that's a great resource. There are so many amazing people. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm sure you could go on and on just like me as well. There's, there's so many people out there that are willing to help and sharing advice. Uh, so, oh, that's a, a great list to share them. Maybe reaching out to those people just can have this type of conversation with them as well. I guess along those lines of being able to help and give resources, you mentioned that you have like libraries through Lindenwood or any of those public. That's, yeah. All public, all freely available, share them um, uh, however you can. Um, we have um, uh, educational resources for you to, uh, for educators at all levels and ideas in all different uh, fields. So, you know, what you are doing in business versus humanities or social sciences or, you know, so um, all of that's there. Um, uh, but really, one of the most useful things we've been collecting is building um, an educational application database. Um, uh, and then ensure that it's searchable. So uh, so the first one was, was pretty much a static website that we had to update continuously. We just switched it over to a new searchable database. Um, our digital librarian did, Chris Skatowski, so he's great. He just did that last week. Um, uh, so no, it's it's on the website. Um, uh, you know, uh, I, I, we need eventually to have some type of shared um, um, database that that all of these networks can add to. And when they find it, they're like, oh, this is a new one that just came out. You need to use this for geology, right? So. Here's a great one for geography. Here's one for biology. You can go inside the human heart. This one's a nuclear reactor, right? 
So, um, uh, but just to get that kind of critical mass, because uh, very often I'm told by some that, that, that you asked about some faculty and their uh, their hesitancy in adopting it, they would say, well, there's nothing out there for just like, and sometimes they may be right, that being not yet, or you might not know about, right? Um, or it might be on one headset, but, you know, doesn't port to another or isn't compatible with another. And so, um, uh, but usually there's something out there for everyone. They just don't know. And so, but absolutely use all of our resources. Awesome. Awesome. I'll definitely find those on the website. If I can't, I reach out to get pointed in the right direction. I, I love that idea of having that like group database in the future where different industry groups can go on there. That'd be amazing to say like people can update it saying I'm using this in my class in this semester. It's like, oh, this is just five times when I had this professor semester back to back along those lines. It'd be awesome to be able to, to see that out. I love that idea. Um, yeah, I guess from here, just to jump into some rapid fire, just to curious on, I guess, your your opinions and your uh, for people to learn a little bit more about you know, it's like the VR. So I'm just going to say like, one or two two words, and then if you could respond with just a quick like one or two words. What comes to your head first? Okay. So we got some random ones mixed in here. So pop culture okay. is the first one. Oh yeah. So let's see. Uh, Star Wars, Marvel. Um, um, let's see. What else? Love is it. Love it. That's, no, that's that's that... perfect. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, conferences. Oh, um, uh, I triple E. I learn. Um, um. um checks IHSES there's so many that's perfect perfect unity or unreal oh that's that's true you can skip if you want I don't want to start any fights so that's the so I guess you know the first two words you'd say functionality versus visuals right so um, uh, being, you know, that Unity is is a great tool. It's dominating the industry. Um, it's really good for what it does. Um, um, uh, but Unreal now has its own niche and is doing a lot of other wonderful things with AI, metahumans, um, uh, billions of polygons um, that, that that just you know blow everything out of the way, out of the water. So you know they they're they're they're, they're tools for different things. For sure. Okay. That's perfect. Uh, educational NFTs. Ah. Uh, we were just um okay, so the first word, let's see. Um 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 blockchain, grammar, gamification, game-based learning. Um um we're doing uh, it's funny you mentioned that. Just today we came up with a way to teach English composition and blockchain at the same time. Uh oh. and it was through gamifying it and using NFTs as currency in the game as they progress and become um um uh, more proficient with using um uh, uh, more advanced types of grammar, and so, um, uh, but that's that's exactly you know, NFTs are, are really fun. Interesting. Love to love to hear that you're looking into it and that you're uh, already applying it. And very interesting. Uh, the metaverse. Um, potential. Um, um, perspective. Um, uh, trying to think of words. Um, um, aspirational. Right. So, um, uh, so I love, you know, um, uh, I know a lot of people don't like the term metaverse. A lot of people don't like, you know, it pushed in a centralized way to be decentralized, but, um, uh, a version of, you know, of, you know, web 3.0 of, uh, the 3d internet of the ability to engage in multiple types of, 
of, uh, of platforms, multiple devices, and in different ways, um, in three dimensions. It's that it's it's already happening. So it's in, how about inevitable? There you go. That's one of the, that's one of the best words. It is awesome. inevitable. Awesome. Love it. Love Damn. it. There's a there's a company that I follow, and their company name's Inevitable, and it's all about Web three and the metaverse. I love that. Uh, education. Uh, say education. 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 Um, uh, uh, outmoded, disruptive, um, uh, um, passive. You know, I'm just thinking of that. When, when, when I hear the original term you know, education, you know, I think of the sage on the stage or, you know, um, having one content expert that is, you know, dumping information um, uh, into a group that are passively um, kind of ingesting the information, regurgitate it back. So, um, uh, but that's where XR completely changes as it's. Um, uh, you have uh, now an unprecedented access to information like never before in history. So that's not the problem. No longer do I need to be an expert in, you know, biochemistry or cardiology. You can learn all that, you know, with, with a touch of your phone. Um, uh, but how to apply it and engage with it, the framework. So really, we're moving on to this active learning stage of education. So education 2.0, 3.0, whatever you want to call it, um, the, in that um Educators become learning facilitators instead of experts. And so um, uh, I would say, you know, hopefully we're looking at the potential for uh, the future of education to be much more engaging, impactful, and um, uh, interactive. Awesome. Awesome. I love that idea of future. Favorite book? Oh, Dave. Yes. Do, do androids dream of electric sheep? That's okay. right. So. So that's that, that, that's that's the uh, Philip K. Dick novel that turned into Blade Runner, but um, oh, okay. uh, very interesting, wonderful book, yeah. So yeah, uh, I guess kind of goes with that, but uh, favorite ah favorite movie is actually Alien. So Alien. I got, I got okay. there. So the the, the, the second <laughs> one, I love the original one. It's really just a gothic horror set, you know, with space truckers, you know, in the, <laughs> that way. The, the one, the second one, it's just a perfect film. It's just you know wonderful. It really took you know. Um, uh, Military film tied it in, you know, sci-fi film, but it's all the original stories about James James Cameron's mother who supported him all the way through his creative endeavors, and so it's about two mothers, each other protecting their children. So um, uh, it, it works on so many levels. I love it, love it. And uh, last one, uh, talk XR or blockchain is that's on your mind from the past couple of weeks? Oh God. Um, uh, yeah, so um, uh, that's generative um, uh, AI, generative cinema, and art. So, um, uh, so that's what we're working on now. Um, uh, is um, uh, the quick adoption and how fast this technology just surpassed what anyone thought possible maybe ten years from now. So, uh, so we need to to adjust our clocks and start thinking about. Um, what we need to be doing now because it's already a possibility and what's going to be possible five years from now. So if you already have, you know, um, uh, you know the kind of deep fake technology to take, you know, a digital twin of an actor like Bruce Willis or Darth Vader selling his voice, you know, in perpetuity, then um, um, uh, the, the generative capacity of AI for XR experiences is the next gen that we haven't thought of yet. So, so we're, we're still kind of either, you know, filming, um, doing a mixture of that and um, uh, and or game engines um, in order to create um, uh, uh, different 3D models that are animated, but then being able to seamlessly do that through text prompts um, uh, and drawing on 
know, um, say upload um, uh, all the movies in one genre for the last 50 years. And I want you to do, you know, um, the, the scene where there's a plane flying in um, uh, in World War II that's getting shot down and you have flak. And so and it'll do all of that in, um, uh, in a split second you know, uh, compared to how laborious that would be in the past. So from an educational perspective, that's incredibly exciting because you're going to have people that don't have the skills um, um, now um, to do all the coding, to understand machine learning, to understand data sets that will be able to type in, you know, I want to see Caesar being stabbed in the Senate, right? And then voila, right? You're going to have an AI generate that for you and you can walk around. So um, uh, that's one of the uh, simple kind of plug and play, you know, application that I see coming next um, uh, for educators. Very interesting. Not think that's where you were going to go with, with that question. And uh, yeah, that's a very interesting topic that I've been exploring a little bit with uh, Dolly and Dolly 2 and those sorts of areas, but definitely it's going to be a big game changer for, like you're saying, movies, but as well building out 3D environments in the future. Very interesting. Um, James. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say I have I, I have our chair of game design here who we're doing another study together, and he um that he realized that his idea put put him out of a job because you know put together AI with 3D modelers, you know 3ds Max, you know Maya, Blender, whatever you want, with the new ability to text prompts for animation, and you they, it'll build it. I want I want a green goblin, you know, that's going to jump, you know, um, a slash at someone, then snore. Right. So you just type that in, does all of it for you now. So, and so that, that pipeline completely changed. Yes. So yeah. uh, you mentioned that. Yeah, no, it's, I don't know if you've seen Promethean, but a really cool tool for building 3d environments without the animation side of things, plugs right into your unreal and we're looking at them for a while. Well, yeah, so check that. Yeah, it's definitely the future. And I guess my hope is like, it's not stealing jobs. It's allowing people that are creative to just use their creative genes do all those teams tasks thank you you just summed up the, the next three studies we're doing on the <laughs> art generator because it's not the death of art it's not the yes. death of creativity gives you new tools to do more things and focus on the conceptual aspects brilliant that's exactly right love it love it um so yeah james thank you so much for coming on to the eduverse uh podcast would just love to give you a couple more minutes if there's any uh projects or any asks or anything you know, anybody that's listening to able to help with or learn from and want to share yeah no we've got lots of projects going and um uh and really just uh preparing students for um uh any future and the future that they're actually going to and not teaching them or training them for a world that no longer exists is really what we're interested in and so um uh putting ai tools in their hands putting once again um um uh, giving them the skills that they will need to understand and interpret and be responsible, ethical citizens and thinkers, you know, with what technology is doing and how it's making these decisions. Um, uh, so, yeah, so with that, there's a number of different research projects. Um, I'd love to talk to anyone who is um, interested. Everything from, as we mentioned, you know, um, uh, AI generative cinema art. Um, uh, we're especially interested in the use of XR to support neurodiversity efforts and supporting those with ASD or autism. Um, um, uh, that's another one um, uh, in, in helping those with autism in the workplace. So how can technology encourage for that? Um, uh, uh, VA therapies, um, uh, gamification, you know, for education, um, uh, simulations. 
digital twins for cultural um, uh, heritage preservation. Um, that's another big one we're looking into. So, you know, think about all of the um, priceless and irreplaceable monuments that are being destroyed in the Ukraine now. Um, and that were destroyed, say, in the Middle East, you know, during ISIS. Um, we're partnered with the University of Mosul as well. So, you know, um, giving people the tools and upskilling them to be able to capture, you know, um, 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 uh, uh, endangered and or vulnerable, you know, um, uh, monuments or um, uh, cultural heritage that um, is ephemeral, for instance. So, you know, all of that um, uh, and more. So anything involving RGIS, geography, um, um, VR and drones. So, you know, there's pretty much runs the gamut, you know, blockchain. Um, uh, we're looking into the uh, regulatory side of um, uh, the regulatory side and the legal considerations of the metaverse, starting with digital or virtual real estate. And um, uh, in the challenges there um, uh, that are being faced, as you saw just yesterday or the day before, Apple um, uh, halted all uh, all transactions associated with NFTs, you know, um, uh, through both their iPhone and iPad because um, uh, they were losing revenue. And so, you know, it's a regulatory consideration we're going to have to deal with with the metaverse because um, you can't have a metaverse without a, a decentralized economy that is shared you know, along um, uh, multiple networks, platforms, et cetera, using blockchain. So, um, uh, so that's another interest there. So there's there's a lot. So um, uh, pretty much anyone um, who's interested in research in the metaverse, XR, anything um, in that area, we would love to talk to them. Amazing, amazing. Well, that's uh, what the Edgeverse community is all about. Definitely people that are following me and XRVR. So I hope that after posting this podcast and sharing it there, you get some people reaching out. I'll make sure that your contact information is uh, shared with it uh, so that it can reach out to you. And I'm excited to see what uh, Lindenwood gets up to and what you get up to with all these partnerships you work on. It's amazing work. Thank you so much for taking time out of your visit. Jump on the podcast. And Quite welcome. It's always a pleasure. You're doing great work. So just keep up everything that, that you're doing as well. And I look forward to seeing what the defenders of the, uh, uh, of the Edgeverse are going to come up with next. Love it. Love it. Thank you, James.